This morning, if you are new, this is your first time, we want to warmly welcome you. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Uh, my name is Greg. I am one of the pastors here um, at the church. I want to let you know that our senior pastor, Pastor Gary, he's actually taking a break right now, getting some much-deserved uh, rest. So I want to invite the church to just keep him in your prayers. Um, ask that the Lord would be with him, continue to refresh him um, so that he can come back strong, okay? Well, I know that for a lot of us, there are a lot of uh, questions that we have about life or faith, um, about Christianity. And a lot of times we, we're scared to ask the questions. Maybe it's because uh, we feel like I should know the answer to this question, but I don't, so I'm kind of embarrassed to ask. Maybe it's a, it's a question that's a little sensitive. Maybe it's kind of political, so I don't want to bring it up in church. For whatever reason, we have these questions that we're too afraid to ask. Well, have no fear. We are in this new series that we kick off today called Asking for a Friend. And so if you have questions that you have, don't worry, we got you covered. For the next several weeks, we're going to look at some frequently asked questions that, that you know, that your friend has always been wondering. And so we will, we will share the answers with you so you could go report back to your friend. Sound good? Asking for a friend. And today we're going to answer some questions that a lot of people have about heaven, about heaven. Now school is kind of back in session for a lot of students. How, how many of you guys have kids who are back in school right now? Yeah, a lot of our kids are back. Uh, my, my kids went back to school this past week. Uh, but how many of you guys can agree with me as a parent that mornings getting our kids ready for school is the worst? Amen? It's like I don't even become a Christian until 8.15 every single day until they're out of my hands and off to school. Because every single day when I'm trying to get them ready, it's like... Get up, get out of bed, hurry up, get changed, get dressed. Come on, guys, brush your teeth. Like, did you eat yet? Eat your food. Why aren't you eating? Where's your backpack? Where's your homework folder? Where's your water bottle? We got to fill it up. Get your shoes on. Get in the car. And it's constant. Every morning, we're like yelling, right? Yelling at our kids, totally impatient. And then even when we get in the car, it doesn't stop. We're driving, and I kid you not, there's been days where it's like, Evan, where are your shoes, right? <laughs> or like... Where's your sister? Like, we're in such a rush that it's so crazy. And then finally, we release them. It's so hard to get our kids ready. But this past Wednesday was a different story. It was the first day of school for, for my, uh, my third grader and my first grader. And it was so weird. Wednesday morning, it's still dark in our room. Our alarm hadn't gone off. Monica and I are sleeping, and we were woken up. There's this little girl standing by her bed, my daughter Karis, and she's fully dressed. She has her uniform all on, tucked in, her hair's ready to go, and she's like, Mommy, <laughs> right? Can we go? And I, we're like, who dressed you? She, she said, I did. We said, did you brush your teeth already? She's like, yes. Right? And she was just like dressed and ready to go. And then she did it the next day and the day after that. And I asked Monica, I'm like, what, what's gotten into her? Why was she already? Why did she brush her own teeth? And here, here's what Monica said. She says, I think it's because on Tuesday, she had a classmate come over and Evan had a classmate come over. There was this little play date going on on Tuesday. And they had so much fun. And that gave her a glimpse of what she had to look forward to. She, she knew who was going to be in her class. So she, she, she was excited and she was anticipating going to see her friends again. 
She was now dressed and ready to go, but she got a glimpse of what first grade was going to look like. Well, this morning, I want to give you a play date with heaven. I want to give you a glimpse of heaven so that we would see what the scripture says about what awaits us, so that we would be dressed and ready to go, that we would be eagerly anticipating heaven that awaits. So today we're going to talk about heaven. I want to answer a few questions, questions like what happens when I die? What will heaven be like? Where is heaven? And what will I be doing forever and ever in heaven? Okay, so let's pray and let's ask God to give us a glimpse of heaven. So God, I pray that you would excite our hearts this morning. Lord, I know that it's impossible for a man who has never been there to talk about eternity in a 40-minute window. It's just impossible. And yet, God, I pray that you would do what's impossible, that you would go deep within our hearts and that you would enlighten us, show us what lies ahead, excite us for what's true. I pray that you would help us to understand the glory that comes by knowing Jesus Christ, God. So, Lord, would you, would you speak to us in a way that no man can? And so we want to hand this time over to you. We ask that you would do something powerful, whether we walk in here today as a believer and a follower of Christ, or maybe this is our first time in a church building. We, we know nothing about what the Bible says. I pray that you speak to every single one of us, God. So we hand this time over to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say... Amen. Amen. So the first question I want to ask, if you're following along in your notes, it's this. What happens when we die? What happens when we die? So when we die, a couple things happen. One is our physical body goes into the ground, right? Whether we are buried or whether we are cremated, our physical body goes into the ground. But then the second thing that happens is that our soul then goes to the afterlife. It goes to one of two places. It either goes to the present heaven or it goes to the present hell. And the reason why I call it present heaven and present hell is because the Bible actually makes very clear that there's also a final heaven and a final hell. Right? If you want to go back, uh, I did a message a few years ago um, about hell, talking about what present hell and future hell will be like and the difference between the two. Um, you can find that on our YouTube channel. But today I want to focus on heaven. I want to focus on heaven, because what heaven is today, presently at this moment, will not always be so in the future. And we know that heaven is where, by definition, it is where God dwells. It is the abode of God. It is the home of God. It is the presence of God. So wherever God is, that, that's heaven. But where, present it, where heaven is presently isn't where it will always be in the future, I'm going to explain that more as this message goes on. But did you know that even though our bodies go into the ground and our souls are disembodied in the presence of God, one day the Bible tells us that our souls will be rejoined with our bodies. And that's true for every single person, Christian or non-Christian, everybody this is what we call the final resurrection. And some of you guys, this is new to you, and this is kind of surprising. You're marveled by this, but don't marvel, because here's what John chapter 5 says. The Bible makes it clear, verse 28. He says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 
And so there's going to be this final resurrection. And for those who are followers in, in, of Christ who have passed away, the glorious hope that we have to look forward to is that one day our souls who are in the presence of God will be rejoined with our bodies. And these bodies won't be decayed and putrefied. These will be beautiful and glorified. That, that's what we have to look forward to. Just like when Jesus went into the grave. You guys remember this? He was beaten and he was battered and he was bruised beyond recognition. Marred beyond recognition. How did he come out? Resurrected. Redeemed. Renewed. Restored. So beautiful that people couldn't even recognize. They wouldn't even believe that it was Jesus until he had to prove it by showing them the nails in his hands. He was so beautiful and glorified. And so for a lot of us, this is like, yes, I finally get the body I've been wanting, the perfect body. Does that mean that, that, that for me, like, I'll finally get my six pack and look like Bruce Lee in heaven? I mean, is that what heaven is, finally? Or I'll finally get that build I've always wanted, like Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, heaven, good Lord, right? Is that what? The Bible's talking about us having these perfect bodies. Maybe not. Maybe not. Here's what I think uh, the Bible is talking about. At least we will have perfect bodies just like Adam and Eve had before the fall. Bodies as they were meant to be. Without defect. Without disease. Without infection. Without injury. Without aging. Without chronic pain. Some of you guys know, if you've, been, if you've been here for a while, two Easter's ago, I had a surfing accident where the board hit my head and it ruptured my eardrum. And till this day, I still have this constant ringing in my ears, 24-7. Right now, it's ringing really loudly. Doctors say that I will not get my hearing back unless there's a miracle. That's, that's what I live with. Last Easter, this past Easter, which was only five or six months ago, I woke up. We're going to have uh, five Easter services that weekend, 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm getting ready for Easter services. And in the shower, I, I hear this pop and this tear in my neck. And I completely strained my neck muscle that I, I felt paralyzed and couldn't even move. Missed all the Easter services because I was at urgent care. And since that time, it's happened about five or six times, even just last week. Couldn't even move my neck to the left or to the right. My wife, Monica, says, it's because it's, it's all that surfing you're doing. I said, get behind me. <laughs> no, I just can't. No. No, I said, Monica, it's not called surfing. It's called turning 40, right? Like, next year I turn 40, and I can honestly say I've never been injured as much as I have been this past year. And for those of you guys who have been there already, you'll probably tell me from here, it doesn't go uphill, right? It doesn't go uphill. And so we long for this idea that one day our bodies will be as it was meant to be, without pain, without aging, without acne, without disease, without defect. It will be glorious. And so here's the question. We'll have these glorified bodies, but where will these glorified bodies live? Where will these physical bodies live? So question number two, what will heaven be like? What will heaven be like? Will, will our physical bodies just be floating around somewhere out there? Are they going to be physical bodies in some spiritual realm? How does that work? Doesn't our physical body need a physical place to dwell? 
So, so let me tell, tell you where heaven is going to be and what it's going to look like. Because the Bible makes very clear that our physical bodies will dwell in a place. Where? Future heaven. Now, where is future heaven? And future heaven, like I said earlier, will be different from what present heaven is. And it will be different in this particular way. It will be an actual location. Like there will be a, a, a physical place where heaven can be found. What if I could tell you this morning, I know where it is. What if I told you that it's right here. And some of you guys are like, South Bay Community Church is heaven? No, 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 right here, this earth that you're sitting on right now. And for some of you guys, you're like, uh, that's baloney. Because heaven in my mind is so much different from this earth. It's completely different. How can you say that this earth, this place that's corrupted and, and, and decaying, how can you say this is heaven? Well, let me show you what, what the Bible says about that. Let's do an exercise real quick. I want to ask you right now in your mind to think about what heaven looks like. I mean, just picture that heavenly scene right now in your mind. Okay, what do you see? What does heaven look like to you? I asked Pastor Dave to take it to the streets and ask people, both inside and outside of the church, what do you think heaven looks like? And, and here's what he collected for us. If there's a heaven, if you had to describe it, how would you describe it? So I would describe it, you know, you always think like white fluffy clouds, whatever. There should be no shadows. It's just God is emitted. It's all light. And when you're on top of the clouds, you see the sun, and it's just peaceful and serene. I think maybe we're just little spirits, <laughs> energies flowing around together in bliss. Beautiful beaches, uh, beautiful mountainous areas. If there's any, any structures or houses, they would be like all white, but everything is just very bright. Clouds, sky, um, I guess no surfing, according to Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that, by the way. Maybe what you pictured in your mind is very similar to what you heard described, right? What, what did we hear in this video? People said uh, white, clouds, fluffy, uh, lights, right? And maybe that's, that's kind of what you envision, the very same things. And if that's what you imagine, it, it probably looks something like this, right? That's the heavenly scene, or maybe something like this. And I'm sure that's the common answer because if you just type in heaven in Google, these are the images that come up. But I want to say, come on, guys, if, if this is what we imagine heaven to be and all that is in store for us, we're setting ourselves up for great disappointment. I mean, we have to give God so much more credit than this. Our God is so much more beautiful, more creative, more artistic than the minimalist God we're making him out to be if this is what heaven is in our minds. I mean, think about who our God is. When, when he imagined paradise and what creation would look like and then he breathed it into existence. If God created all of creation and all of its stunning beauty and looked at it and said, it is good. If he created the rolling hills and the flowers of the fields and said, it is good, kind of like these pictures right here. If he created the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields and said, it is good. If he created man 
with, with the ability to, to grow and develop and advance in art and engineering and science and technology and, and put this into existence and said it is good, then why do we imagine heaven, which will be very good to be anything less than this? Why do we think that God's going to go back on his idea of creativity as if creativity for God diminishes or deteriorates over time. No, it, God, God's not going to be like, man, if you thought this was good, wait till you get to heaven because then, bam, that's what you'll get. <laughs> Can't you wait? Press on and persevere because that awaits you. No. Like God is still God and he is still the creative, beautiful, artistic God that he is. Paradise in God's mind is still paradise. And what we have seen and heard and felt and sensed on this earth, it will only get better, not worse. It'll be so much more, not less. So be excited for heaven. And yet, if that's all we see, heaven is going to be just white, clouds, fluffy, then there's no wonder why so many of us don't truly long for heaven. Like we might say it with our lips, but inside our hearts, it's like, I don't want to pass from this life. I'm so scared to move on. I don't want to let go of all that I have here. And we don't truly long for what awaits us because we don't understand what truly awaits us. I want to show you what the Bible actually says about what future heaven will look like. About 2,800 years ago, he spoke to this prophet, in particular, this prophet named Isaiah. And here's what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 65. I'd love for you to sometime take time to read the entire chapter, but he gives us a glimpse, and he says this to us. He says, see, I will create new heavens and a new what? Earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And throughout this prophecy, he's going to go on, and he's going to talk about how there will actually be people building buildings and houses that we'll live in. There's going to be people planting trees, and there's going to be work that we're going to do that's enjoyable. And he's going to say it's pretty much going to be this new earth, except there is no more weeping or crying or toil or pain. It'll be earth as it was supposed to be. A new heaven and a new earth. And then 800 years later, God gives the vision of heaven to another man named John. John and Isaiah never talked. They never knew each other. They lived hundreds and hundreds of years apart. They didn't sit and collaborate. But here's what John got to see in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new what? Earth. For the first heaven, the present heaven... And the first earth, which is the present earth, had passed away, and the sea was no more. Give me a moment. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God... That's heaven, by definition, is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. The present heaven is somewhere, and I don't know where that is. I know it is where the abode of God is, in the presence of God, but the final heaven, the Bible paints a clear picture. It will be here. When When one day God restores and renews heaven and the earth the way it was originally intended to be. And so our physical glorified bodies will live in a physical glorified earth. And we will live under glorified heavens with our glorious God. And so therefore, here's what Wayne Grudem says. I'm going to put up. Um, A quote for you. Wayne Grudem is one of the most respected theologians of our day. And gathering all the biblical evidence that he has studied and collected, here's his conclusion. He says, therefore, we can expect that in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be a fully perfect earth that is once again very good. And we can expect that we will have physical bodies that will once again be very good in God's sight. And that will function to fulfill the purposes for which he originally placed man on earth. These bodies of ours, which will be raised up glorified, will never grow old or become weak or ill, just like God created us before the fall. And so what's the conclusion? Is that paradise will be just as God imagined and created it to be in the beginning, in Genesis. And life will go on on this earth as intended. May have you ever wondered why God, if he is so almighty and so perfect and so powerful, why did he create the heavens and the earth and everything, and then, like just one week into it, it all gets messed up, right? Like it, it fails miserably because the very man that he made messes it up. Like doesn't that make God seem like a failure essentially? Like God is incompetent to carry out his own plans. And I want to suggest, what if this is actually all part of the plan? That even though it's a mystery to us, that God, Almighty God, perfect in all his ways, is actually writing the most glorious story ever told. That even before the foundations of the world, that Jesus Christ, he knew his son, would come to be the redeemer and to be the restorer of a broken world. Not just broken people, but a broken world where broken people dwell. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What if that was always in God's plan? 1 Peter 1.20 says this. He was Chosen, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. In other words, listen, Jesus isn't plan B because his plan A failed. No, Jesus is still plan A. We are still watching plan A unveiled. unveiled, And all, blah, 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 okay? All things will be restored and God will walk with man and dwell with man on earth just like God intended in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Just as he planned, our perfect bodies will dwell on perfect earth with the perfect God. That, my friends, is plan A. Amen? Amen. Amen. God is perfect.
perfect in all he does. Which brings us to the last and final question. Question number three. What will we do then in heaven? What will we do if we have these new bodies and we're living on a new earth? What are we supposed to be doing? So I want to debunk these common misconceptions. Let me, you know, I, I, I hate to break this to you. Actually, I would love to break this to you. That you will not be sitting on clouds strumming your harp for millions of years. Yeah. And you will not be standing there singing holy, holy, holy for millions and millions and millions of years as is commonly taught in churches. I mean, there will be people singing holy and holy, holy. But to be honest, the Bible never says that that's what we're going to be doing forever and ever. And to be honest... I'm kind of relieved, right? Because when I think about that, as spiritual as it sounds, it just looks so boring to say the same words over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it, it gets old. But thank God the Bible says we, will never be, we won't be singing forever, but we will be worshiping forever. How many of you guys know there's a difference? That singing is worship. But worship can be found in anything and everything we do when our focus is on Jesus. And whatever, whatever activity, I think activities will carry on in heaven, on, on earth, as it is in heaven. We, we will do our thing, and all of it can be worship. And you know one thing that we're going to be doing forever and ever? You're going to love this. You ready? Work. We're going to be working forever. Look what Revelation, I know how many of us are like, yes. Revelation chapter 7 verse 15 says this. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him. Circle that word serve. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence. And I'll have to be very honest with you. When I first read this, it wasn't that encouraging to me. Like, I'm going to persevere through this life. I'm going to press on through the trials. I'm going to carry my cross so one day I get to work forever and ever, day and night. So for those of you who are retired, don't get comfortable. You're going to get back to work soon. And I thought, God, how is this supposed to be encouraging to me? Until God graciously gave me great and deep insight through this woman right here. Not Princess Kate, but but Pippa, right, because Pippa was the bridesmaid. If you guys know, a few years ago, this was like the world's like biggest wedding. This is one of the biggest weddings of the century, the royal wedding. And yet Pippa got to be the bridesmaid. She got to be part of this world-watched world event. Now, how many of you guys have ever been uh, invited to be like a bridesmaid or a groomsman, part of a wedding party? Right? And you're like, yes, I got to be asked. And, and, and you know what you really are, though? You're a servant, right? That's, that's what you are. And you know this because you know that that day is not about you at all. But you're there to serve the bride and the groom. You're there to make sure they are resting and not stressing, that they're eating and not sweating. You're there to make sure that their dress is not dragging. You're there to make sure their makeup is not running and that they are enjoying this glorious day of theirs. But if you've ever been asked to be on a wedding party, you're not loathing that. 
Like, you know it's great honor that comes with great reward. Pippa, who gets to be part of this royal wedding, what does she get? Well, she gets to be dressed in a custom-made dress designed by Princess Kate's personal designer. She gets this free of charge. She gets to be in the royal palace. How many of us have been in the royal palace? She gets to possibly stay in the royal palace. She gets to eat fine fare and drink fine drink. Literally, she's eating like a king. A dream come true. And so I'm pretty sure Pippa's not like, oh, I have to be her bridesmaid and serve her. No, she's probably thinking, this is like the best day of my life. I never imagined that I get to be here. And so for those of us, when Revelation chapter 7 verse 15 says, we will serve him, the king on the throne, day and night. Look what the next verse says, verse 16. It says, they shall hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I'm pretty sure when we get to stand in the court of our king and we get to serve him day and night, none of us are going to be like, oh, this is terrible. I have to hunger no more. I have to thirst no more. I have to cry no more. I get living water forever and ever. In the presence of the king, I hate heaven. No, we're going to be like, this is amazing. I get to enjoy this forever and ever. And we will see that it is incredible honor with incredible reward. We get to serve our king. Do you notice serving is working? But why is it that for so many of us, work is so burdensome, right? Work can be so miserable. I remember my first job, um, my first, like, full-time job in that I was working 40 hours a week. It's right after I turned 19. And I I landed this job. It was going to be in Cerritos. And so it was going to be, like, an hour commute from Torrance. But but I was so excited. It was a summer job. and they hired me, and so the first day I show up, I got my khakis on, I got my collared shirt, I'm like professional now, right? And I walk in, and they say, okay, so this is what you're going to do. They take me to this room with all these uh, customer service people, and then they say, okay, every day come, and there'll be a stack of orders for you on this table, and you'll find it. And so I, I pick it up as a stack, they're like, come over here and bring it to your desk, we have a desk for you. And it wasn't a desk, it was like this little table, and on it was like this fax machine. And so this company was a window blind co- manufacturer, and these were all the orders for all the customers across the country. And they asked me to, to make sure all these get uh, faxed out as confirmations to their orders. And so here I am. Um, I take one piece of paper off the stack, and I put it in a machine like this. It's a, it's a fax machine. I don't know if we have a picture of it. Okay, we don't have a picture of it. So like... So what I do is I find the phone number and I dial the phone number, dialing the number. Then, then at that point I put it in, and it goes. Z, 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 z. 
And when it finally comes out, it goes beep. And I'll check it, and it'll tell me if it went through or not. And if it didn't go through, I got to do the whole thing again. And when I was done with that, I stamp it, faxed, take the next sheet of paper. And I did this every day from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m., eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, every single week for the entire summer. That was my job. And by day two, I concluded, I hate this job. I really hate it. And I kept telling myself every day I would show up to work and make that one-hour commute to fax a bunch of papers. I would tell myself, there's got to be more than this. I would tell myself, there's gotta, if I could just find another job, it'll be better than this. And I'll tell you the truth, it never got better. Not when I started working at Jamba Juice after that. Not when I started working at Foot Action after that. Nor when I finally got a sales and marketing position at the jean manufacturer. Nor when I finally got into the oil industry. It never got better in the sense that it was never a burden. It was always a burden. It was always toilsome for me. Why? I mean, do you, do you realize that when Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall, before sin entered in, you know what they were doing? Working. Like God gave them the land and the earth to take care of, to take care of the land. That was work, and it was enjoyable. It wasn't burdensome. But then what happened? Sin happened. Sin happened. And here's the direct consequence of the sin. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 tells us, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And so what God is saying, a direct consequence of, of sin is there will now be a curse and work will be burdensome. It will be toilsome. It will be labor. And now you will have to struggle to make a living. And that's not me doing that to you. That's the result of your sin. And so this is the curse that we have been living under ever since. But here is what we have to look forward to, church. That one day in heaven, this curse will be lifted. It will be lifted. Revelation 22, verse 3. It tells us no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will, circle this, serve him. Now let me show it to you in the ESV version, which is a more literal version. Look how they translate that word. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Circle that. So to serve is essentially to work. But in heaven, our work will be worship. And there lies the key difference between here and there, now and then. See, because when our work is mixed with our sinful nature and our selfish ambition and sinful nature gets involved, then work will always be burdensome. You guys realize that? When, when I make work about me, and to ascribe me worth, it'll always be burdensome. That's a worship of another kind. When I trust in my work to give me identity, to give me status, 
when I trust in my work to tell me how significant I am and how important I am, it will always be burdensome. It's chasing after the wind because I can always make more money. I can always be more famous. I could always be higher on the ladder and it will be like chasing after the wind. You will never be satisfied. And that's what selfish ambition does. But if work could ever be purely about ascribing God worth, if it could ever be purely about giving him glory and making him known, then that work becomes worship. And that pressure is now off of me because the praise is now on him. And not until heaven will we be so pure and free from a sinful nature will we enjoy burdenless work. Our work will become worship. Even me, I, I found like this, being a pastor is like a dream job. I love it. But even now, my sinful nature can get involved. And when my ego or my pride gets involved, it becomes draining to me. I get burnt out. I feel like I'm not good enough when my sinful nature gets involved. But one day, how many of you guys long for the fact that in heaven, there will no longer be the Monday blues? Hallelujah. There will no longer be Monday blues. There won't even be that dreadful Sunday night knowing that Monday is coming. Revelation 21, 25 tells us there's no night in heaven. This is awesome. It's going to be Sunday fun day for the rest of our lives. Amen? Forever and ever and ever. And so that's what we have to look forward to. We will be glorified with glorified bodies, walking and dwelling and working and carrying on in a glorified earth, serving our most glorified king. That's what we had to look forward to. Now, as we close, and because I, I realized I cannot talk about eternity in just 40 minutes. But as we close, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts as we anticipate heaven. And these are the most important thoughts that I have for you this morning. Number one, remember that Jesus is the joy of heaven. Remember that Jesus is the joy of heaven. Early on in, in my marriage, uh, Monica asked me this question. I'm sure all um, ladies would like to know. She, she asked me, she said, Greg, why did you choose me? She said, well, why do you love me? Right? And so I'm in this hot spot right now, okay? But guys, trust me, I'm not dumb, okay? I'm not that dense. I know what she's looking for, right? I, I know she's looking for some affirmation, uh, she's looking for something like, because you're the most beautiful girl in the world, or because uh, you're, you have just a bright and intelligent mind, or, or you're just so fun to be with. And I, I know she's looking for some affirmation, but I gave her an answer that I knew would not, and it did not satisfy her. I said, Monica, I, I love you because of you. It's like, ah, oh, Greg, you had one chance, and you blow it with such a lame answer. And yet that was honestly the most sincere answer that I could give her. I've come to love you because of you. Because it really isn't because everyone likes you. Like, the reality is people come and go. It's not because you're fun to be around, because to be honest, we'll get bored of each other one day. 
It's not because you have the most gorgeous face because I know you're going to get wrinkly and droopy one day, right? Like, I mean, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Don't get mad. Right? Like, that's, I, I know that. Like, all this will not last. But when all that is gone, it's okay because I've come to love you. Like, you as a person, the core, the essence of who you are. And I, I, I just couldn't articulate it any better. I can't describe it. Maybe some of you guys identify with me, but it's, it's the person. And I share that with you because when you fall in love, it is important that we are absolutely certain that we know what we fall in love with. What is it that I truly love in this relationship? And let me give you a hint. It shouldn't be what. It should be who. Who do you love? John Piper, when he talks about heaven, puts it beautifully like this. I love this. He says, if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you've ever liked and all the leisure activities you've ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you've ever saw, all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? It's like, whoa, okay. (laughs) That's a good question. No, it's not a good, it's a trick question. Why? Because heaven isn't heaven if Jesus isn't there. Guys, Jesus is heaven. Jesus is the joy of heaven. So let's not miss the point of the gospel here. Like the gospel is not praying a prayer so that that I have fire insurance. That one day, if I just pray this prayer, I will escape the fires of hell and I get all the great things of heaven. No, Christianity is about this intimate relationship with Jesus. It's about knowing the joy of heaven and knowing him as our personal savior. And that starts now. That can start right here, right now on earth as it will be in heaven. And so if we think Christianity is something where I can just live my own life and live for myself and one day then turn to Jesus so I make it into heaven, you've totally missed the point of the gospel. God is the gospel, amen? Amen. Jesus is our treasure. He's the joy of heaven. So as great as heaven will be, it's because Jesus will be there. He is our treasure. So remember, Jesus is the joy of heaven, and therefore, make known the joy of heaven. The second and last thought I'll leave you with, make known the joy of heaven. It's amazing how the Apostle Paul got this, and if you ever read about his life, this guy should have died over and over again. You read about Paul, and it's like, man, this guy was like invincible. Have you seen his, his list? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, this is what I've been through. He says to us, he goes, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. You know what he's talking about there? Remember what Jesus had to go through, that scourging and that whipping when he was ultimately murdered? Paul says, I did that five times. And he lived to tell about it. And then he goes on. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Has anybody here ever been stoned? Well, he lived to tell about it. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And he goes on. I mean, he has a whole chapter of this. This is just scratching the surface. surface. And, any nor- and you know why this all happened to him? 
because of Jesus? Because of his love for Jesus and the guy just wouldn't shut up about Jesus? And so they're trying to kill him. And any normal person would look at him and say, Paul, give up. Like, why don't you just walk away already? Why do you keep clinging to this Jesus guy? He's going to get you killed. It doesn't make any sense. Unless you read on. Unless you get to the next chapter, and I hope you read on and you get to chapter 12. Because in chapter 12, he reveals to us, he says, God gave me a glimpse of heaven. And you know what he calls heaven? He uses this particular word. He says, I saw paradise. And he says, I saw things and I heard things that are inexpressible. I can't even utter it back to you. I'm going to remain quiet on this because I'm just going to come off as proud and boastful. He was literally speechless. In other words, he says, I saw Jesus and I saw heaven. And so you could do whatever you want to me. You can stone me. You can leave me for dead. You can take my life. But you're not taking that away from me. I get Jesus. And I get the joy of heaven. And that's what probably drove him to write one of the most beautiful passages in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. Where he says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. In other words, you could take my life. If I die, I win. I get Jesus. I get the joy of heaven. But if I'm not dead yet, I'm not done yet. Right? If I'm not dead yet, then God still has a plan. If God knows the number of my days and he ordained the number of my days here on earth, then I'm pretty much invincible until he calls me home. Nothing can kill me. And so if I'm not dead, I'm not done yet. That means I have a task unfinished. I have a job to make Jesus known, to make known the joy of heaven. And I want to say to to you, church, church, you have a task unfinished. As long as you are here, you're not done yet. And our job is to make known Jesus and to make known to people the joy of heaven. Amen? Amen. Would you guys bow with me in prayer? And so, God, we ask that you would help us to continually fix our eyes on things above, not on things below. Lord, that our eyes would continually be fixed on Jesus. God, that you would forgive us for the times that we make life about ourselves and make work about ourselves and make this this earth about ourselves. But, Lord, we thank you for your grace. And that right now you're lovingly, gently redirecting our focus back on the joy of heaven. So, Lord, we pray that that intimacy with with you would, would start now, would continue now. Until that day, we will literally be with you in your presence here in the future heaven. So, God, we look forward to that day. I pray that that would drive everything we do that would change our perspective and our attitude toward work, toward life, toward marriage, toward family, toward relationships, that it all always be about Jesus, the joy of our hearts, God. We love you, we worship you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.